Hello, everyone. Welcome to Between the Lines. I'm Sean Bessie, and I'm here with Tracy Abramson and Sarah M. Eden and Esther Hatch. In a recent episode, we um, talked a little bit about our characters and how we create them and how they so often take on a life of their own. And so today I thought it would be fun to talk about another element in our writing, one that often plays an equally important role as the characters, and that is the setting. So the setting of a book draws readers in, it sets up the story, it influences the story, it creates atmosphere, and often plays a pivotal role in the storyline. So let's start with a very basic question. What is your favorite type of setting and why? Personally, I love setting scenes and sometimes entire books in homes, um, whatever that home might look like. I have a series that's in the American West in the 19th century, and they're very humble homes. And some of my series are set in the homes of the you know, aristocracy of England. And so their homes are very different. But I love setting, place, setting scenes and stories in homes. The places that people claim to the extent that they can as their own, um, are very telling about who those characters are. There's so much you learn about them based on their home. And I think people act differently in their own homes than they do elsewhere. So it's also very revealing. So I love that about setting. I feel like it takes on a life of its own when it's someone's actual home. Oh, I love that answer. And I think my instinctive response to your answer is that one of my favorite settings, this is going to come as a huge, huge shock to all of our listeners, is Wales. And it's because it, <laughs> and it's because it is my home, even though it's been many years since I've lived there, I still have an emotional attachment to it. And so it helps me to put some depth of feeling into that setting when I have a personal connection with the place. I think I have actually like two different favorites for setting. One of them is just like a common place, something that ever like a library, something that everyone can just visualize because I don't have to describe it that much. And especially when you're, I'm writing suspense, a lot of times the setting, while it's important, I want to waste my words elsewhere. <laughs> like I don't want to spend a lot of time going over and over about, you know, like what the wallpaper looked like and all this kind of stuff. But my other favorite is actually to um, use elements, use settings where some someplace I've been. So bringing in those little details like, um, you know, not long ago, uh, actually, Sean and Sarah that were with me, we were in Paris. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they've upgraded some of the trains on the metro because the doors were automatically opening now, except I think it was what line 10 still has little hooks that you use. So little things like that, that if somebody's been there, like, oh, that's right, I remember that. But if they haven't been there, they feel like they've now experienced something that's unique and makes them feel like they have a personal connection with that location. Yeah, that's I, great. I love all the ones you guys have said, and especially Tracy's where she's like, ah, I just like to not describe the setting. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that if someone's like being chased by a gun, you're right. They're probably not gonna notice what color the wallpaper is. <laughs> But if I'm being completely honest, like my favorite favorite setting to write is probably just anywhere dimly lit, intimate. <laughs> like maybe Says the, the two. woman who likes to write the kissing <laughs> scenes. Yeah, well, like any any um, location where maybe the I would say the couple in this situation because I write exclusively pretty much romance, but they're maybe alone together when they shouldn't be, and not in like 
a bad way, but just like they accidentally ended up alone and it's awkward and all these like, ooh, what's going on? Feelings are happening. So, <laughs> right. I just love like a setting like that is always fun if I can sneak one into a book. Oh, I, I love that. Esther, I love that about you because you're just a breath of fresh air as we're talking about stodgy things. You're right there in the closet. <laughs> yep. Okay, that needs to be an out of context quote, guys. <laughs> okay, so as authors, we're often, like Tracy said, introducing our readers to a place that they've never been before. So when you when you have that situation, what do you do to make your settings feel real? Or if they are a real place, how do you describe them accurately? I, again, it comes down to those little details. And I think I, I like to just use them woven in. You just see something happening. Like, for example, with the subway, somebody's noticing um, that somebody's a local because of them knowing how to open the subway door or somebody doesn't know how to you know, to do that. But it's other things like, what's the weather like? You know, I, I know we've talked before about how in the UK, a lot of times everyone says it's raining every single day. And it's like, it does actually have a sun that comes out on occasion, <laughs> you know, there's rainbows and, and everything. Um, you know, but how do locals treat new newcomers? You know, like, how friendly are they? Um, in Riga, Latvia, people will cross the street rather than have to talk to a stranger. They don't really like that to talk to people they don't know. Um, and, you know, things like the architecture, the food, all of the, you can't forget the food. I mean, you just, you just can't. So all of those things, just bringing it in and just weaving it in as their everyday lives and how the story unfolds. Yeah, that's true. And I really think it's, I think it's critical that we bring all five senses into our descriptions. And, and you talked about that um, with, with the food and how things sound and, and how things smell and what things taste like, feel like those are the, those are the things that can bring a place to life for readers. Agreed. I think for me, one of the things that helps the most is um, bearing in mind and presenting a setting the way the point of view character would interact with it. Um, because we're meant to be experiencing a moment along with our point of view character. So if that character is in a setting that's very familiar to them, um, they're not going to notice a lot of things because it becomes background noise. So I mm. ask myself, what is something they would notice in that moment and why? And it's almost always something that they have a memory attached to or an emotion attached to. So maybe in their home, they have a painting that was painted by their father they're probably going to notice that when they come in because it reminds them of them. So um, it helps that setting become real because I ask, how do they interact in this setting? If the point of view character is in a place that is unfamiliar, what is something unique about that setting that someone would notice if it was unfamiliar to them? And then you're pulling your reader in saying, hey, this setting is unfamiliar to you as well. Here's something you would notice if you were there. And it allows the reader to have an immediate um, attachment to something of significance in that setting. And it becomes real while, while also building characterization. So it's a moment when setting can do double duty. And I love that because like Tracy said, we only have so many words. And if you can get those words to accomplish more than one thing, that's a really great moment as a writer. Yeah, and this, exactly. this, this, ladies and gentlemen, is why Sarah Eden is such a phenomenal writer. Right there. <laughs> Right there. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. And I think like what Sarah's saying about how the characters move through their setting, it also helps the reader just be grounded 
Um, for example, like if you get asked to dance a second set, and if you're reading Regency, you know, like, oh, that's pretty serious. Like, you can't do that. So, I mean, I think, like, the way the way people react to what's going around, it teaches about the setting and the place and the history, um, what's scandalous, what's not scandalous, um, if the roads are bumpy because they're cobblestone. I feel like uh, that's just how you can feel like you're in the moment and in the, in the setting as in even the time period and how the characters are reacting to what's going around them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Bringing, bringing them into the time period as well as the location. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So we've talked a little bit about using all five senses when we're describing a setting. Which sense do you feel like you've had the most success with when you're trying to transport a reader somewhere? And can you give me an example from one of your books? I'm going to have to go with touch. <laughs> so, and no, not necessarily in that way. But, um, <laughs> but I do find myself being drawn to like, if somebody's in an uncomfortable situation, I'm trying to express those feelings. They might rub a, something lucky for them and feel the texture of it or an old piece of wood on the table and feel the grains. And, and it helps like channel their nervous energy, things like that. Or I feel like I definitely use touch um, a decent amount. Um, in a book I'm writing right now called The Earl Tideaway, No Ladies Allowed, um, both of my characters end up using the same bedroom, but in different time periods. Like, so she used it as a child and now he's staying at this cottage and he's sleeping in it and she's in a different room. But um, there is an example where she loved that room as a child because she would wake up and feel the sun on her face every morning. And he, on the other hand, would rather they're not be woken up by the sun. <laughs> so I think like because of that dynamic of like their feelings towards the sun and how it hits them and what it's do is it bothering them or does it make them happy? You get this fun dynamic of he's tossing and turning each night, deciding whether we want to pillow on the foot of the bed or the head of the bed. And each morning is different. And and I, I think it's just fun that you can take the senses and turn it into almost a conflict for the characters. So. Love that. Wow. Again, it's yeah, double duty. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I have to say for me, it's probably like either the sense or taste. It's like Catherine Whitmore's cinnamon rolls. I mean, they're in so many of my books, even if people just want them, but it's like that memory of taste of home, you know? Mm -hmm. So Comfort I think it's food. exactly. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in my recent book, The Call of the Sea, I described the sounds associated with the sea and I was, I was at the sea recently and that played through in my head as far as had I described it enough to take my readers there, the waves rolling in and the sound of the seagulls and slap of waves against the boats and oars. I've had several people tell me that they felt like that they were by the sea just hearing those sounds associated with with the beach. I love it. Um, one that I love to use, I, I, as we were getting ready for this episode, I realized I needed to make sure I'm doing it more because I think I haven't been as good about it lately. But one that I love is scent. Mm -hmm. 
because it's kind of like Tracy was saying, we associate sense and taste, which are very much connected um, with moments in time and with places. And I love that. I, I love giving characters a particular scent that is associated with them, whether it's a shaving soap or a perfume or something like that. I have in my Hope Springs series, there's this very significant fire that plays a role in the book. And in one of the books, and as the series goes forward, that scent of smoke is an emotionally triggering thing for the characters mm -hmm. because it's connected there. In a book that I've only recently finished writing, but isn't out yet, <laughs> um, there's a scene that takes place in the Victorian sewer system. And you better believe scent played a huge <laughs> role in that scene, along with other things. It was also the temperature of the place and the feel of the air and the sights and the sounds, but the smell especially. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love using scent to place um, people in a setting and in a moment. Yeah, scent is so, so powerful for bringing back a memory. I think probably the most powerful one. Um, well, I don't think it comes as much of a surprise to most of our readers that we enjoy filling our books with food references. Tracy made mention of it already. Sarah, Tracy and I, of course, um, have the Fiction Kitchen Trio cookbook coming out. Esther is our favorite uh, taste tester and judge of all things baked. So we already know <laughs> that she has a discerning palate. Um, but some of us have been charged with putting too many food references on our books. And yet we still keep doing it. Why? Why do we put so much food in our books? All right. Sarah's about to lay down a treatise. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting on a soapbox. Watch her get taller. <laughs> Again, I, I find it so powerful and important when you can accomplish more than one thing with with a description with a setting with a given set of words and I think food does that in some incredibly powerful ways you want to know how wealthy and fancy the people holding this enormous Regency era ball are what are they serving after the supper dance is it potato and leek soup no it's <laughs> petite fours and it's candied almonds and it's the fanciest food they can come up with it tells you so much about who they are um, you want to know how much a poor family was impacted by Ireland's devastating potato famine? Check in with them 20 years later. And what is their relationship with food and with want? And how grateful are they still for everything that they have? Um, you want to know how much of a fish out of water a particular character feels who lives away from his homeland? What food does he long for that he can't get anymore? It's, it's a powerful way to build character, but also to set people in the era and the place where they lived. Um, food is, it's a universal need. We all have to eat something. So there's a familiarity there. We all understand that. So you start readers from a place where they are familiar with enjoying certain food, with food indicating socioeconomic status. You're going to have plenty of readers who are familiar with food scarcity. They're going to understand that. So you start from that place and then you give the unique details and the unique extras that build your character and your world on top of that. Food is such an important part of the lives we live. It's not only a need, but it's a social construct. It's a cultural reflection. Um, we have memories attached to it that are powerful for a reason. And it's why I think including food in your, um, 
in your works as your characters would relate to them is a powerful and important thing to do. And I think often as um, authors, it's something we forget to include because it does feel kind of everyday and ordinary. If we aren't stepping back to think about why the everyday ordinary is so important in its uniqueness to each person. There you go. (laughs) I, I love that. And so really what you're saying is the kind of food described in a book tells a story all by itself. Absolutely. And, and so it enhances the main thread of our story by bringing in all of that extra. Yep. I mean, food evokes, it, it evokes an emotional response. You know, some people use it for comfort. Other people use it to warm up or cool down. Um, you know, you're having your, your smoothie to cool down. You're having your hot chocolate to fight off the snow out on the ground or whatever it is. Um, but our favorite dishes can also bring up like memories of favorite holidays, favorite moments. Not to mention that eating together, it's a really common thing to do socially. So it, it can show, like Sarah mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, we, it shows some of that social status or, you know, kind of what our everyday lives are and what we do to get outside of our everyday lives. Um, but it's one, it's food is something we not only is an integral part of our lives, it's something that we often love to share and experience with others. So it's, it's just natural that we're, we want our characters to do the same thing. Right. Okay, so I think the bottom line is you can now expect lots of food references from the <laughs> They're not going away. They're, not, they're just not going away. That's right. So um, I guess I can, I can admit to being a self-confessed descriptive writer. And so I love describing a setting. And I love using the five senses to make, um, a, to make a place come alive and seem real for readers. So listeners, I'd like to toss a question out to you. What part of a book setting do you enjoy the most? What is it that an author can do to help you feel like you're actually there, that you're sharing the book setting with the characters? And which senses do you respond to the best? Find us on social media and leave us a comment. We always love hearing from you. And thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you next time on Between the Lines. Thank you.